Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. But you were me. Well, anyway, no, we have to stay right. What was that mean to you? Oh, okay, okay, okay. We just we went for the reset. We don't need to. Like I just responded to you as though we were in mixed company. Well, we are in mixed company, aren't we? It's like we're out to dinner with the listener, and we don't want to make them uncomfortable by bringing up our dirty laundry. Yeah, I guess that's right. Actually, we don't want to be like Shiv and Tom over at Roman and Tabitha's. Can we refer to that as our titular episode? By which I mean that's the episode in which. Roman says to Tabitha, Dindins with Firecratch and Normcore. Oh, of course it is. Of course it is. That's yes. when that happens. He's referred to as having an agricultural walk. <laughs> and he goes, you know what, Shiv? Fuck off. This is that oh so familiar moment when they get home, when he's saying, well, I guess I'll go and sleep in the guest room then. That's really the aftermath of those uncomfortable dinners you have with other people. Oh, my God. Yeah. Remember when we didn't talk to each other on that car ride on the way home? Which one? <laughs> true i don't think we have like a load of dinners where we haven't spoken to no but it's because we don't have a load of dinners and we don't have a car (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) hey do you you, want to welcome our listener in hey guys how are you come on in have you been re-watching season two all week same I'm going to cut your dick off and put it up your cunt until it comes out your pee-pee hole. I was worried that with last week's episode, maybe snowballing right at the top was a bit much. That now seems quite quaint. Go deep, not wide. Go deep, Go not deep, wide. not wide. So don't worry about offending the people who are like, why do they start every week with this shit? <laughs> Rather, the people who are like on a morning commute and everyone's being all stiff upper lip and then they're hearing us talk about cunts up peepee holes, lean into those people. So at the point we're releasing this episode, we're just over a week away from series four. Right. And here we are with uh, season two rewatch. Shall we start with some brain dumps? Yes, please. Who's going first? You remember? Uh, I, I can go first if you like. Sure. Quite early on in the series, Tom is saying that he would like a portrait of him and Shiv <laughs> hanging on a wall of their apartment. And just imagine being that comfortable with the way you looked. I know, it's just so interesting because whether or not Tom is comfortable with the way he looks is a very interesting question. Well, he's a handsome man. He's tall and he's handsome. Is he? I think so. People who don't know him from Succession know him as Mr. Darcy. You don't get casters. Yeah, yeah, Mr. yeah, yeah. Darcy. I find him extremely sexy. I, I, so I'm not, you know. But that's the character, mainly. But that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, well, actually, I do actually think it might be Matthew McFadden. But who sort of 
objectively the most attractive man in the show. You like Connor. I do. You like Silver Fox. He's. Well, I don't like a Silver Fox, but I, I like Alan like Ruck a, in yeah, this I think, role. I think you, think you like a Silver Fox more than you think you like a Silver Fox. You do? Why? I think you are so <gasps> anti relationships with big age differences you don't know about yourself how much you like a silver fox like who like piers brosnan in the eurovision film with will ferrell barely i'm just making conversation (laughs) i'm not kidding but 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 this is this is then strange that every time we see that film which is a surprisingly high number yeah we've watched that film so many times you'll say he looks so good he's so good you know what i is it's because I think he looks better in that film than he ever did in, like, when he was playing James Bond. And that's interesting, but I'm not, like, actually into it. Just something you've mentioned many, many times. I think I'm just making small talk with you. And it's coming back to bite me. My bum bum. My turn? Yeah. I put it to you and everyone listening that the end of season two between Kendall and Logan, there is more intimacy and true connection in that scene than at the end of season one. So what I am saying is the scene where Kendall's like, but could it have been me? And Logan basically says, you're not a killer. You have to be a killer. I think there is more true connection in that exchange than you're my best boy. You're my number one boy. Colin? Logan is being more real. And whatever that feeling is of the blood sacrifice of his son, what is genuine about that to him is present in the interaction. Yes. In the way that at the end of series one, he's just able to leverage the situation for his own benefit. Exactly. Ah, I like it. Thanks. Who do you think has a less appealing gait? Tom with his agricultural walk or you as you go about your business around our neighbourhood? Um, without no joke, our neighbour said something to me about it yesterday. What did they say? Um, I was in a bad mood, as I often am. She was like, God, you just have the bounciest step in the neighborhood. You always look like you're having a great day. And I was like, oh, I'm miserable. I, I wouldn't describe it as a bounce, necessarily. You you walk a bit like someone who's been shot. That's so terrible. <laughs> I look like someone who's just been shot. I think you sissy that walk. To say I look like I've just been shot is the antithesis to sissying your walk. Sarah, you know how you're 43 and you sort of feel that like your sense of yourself is like an attractive and sexual being and a visible woman out in the world is like really waning? Just also heads up, you walk like you've just been shot. Oh, cool. All right, let's move on. Um, Connor says, this is in the run up to them going to Dundee for the, that celebration. He says, sometimes I think I'll never truly understand dad until I shit outside. And I think actually that's one of the truest, most insightful things he says in the entire show. I think if Connor had to spend a month shitting outside, the neural pathways would change in his brain and he would understand something about his own privilege. Oh, I see. so he's talking about the outside toilet at Logan's house. Yes. It's like when they're talking about the fact that he's going back to Dundee. Uh-huh. And there's, sort of, there's some talk about how rough his upbringing was. My nan had an outside toilet. Did you ever have to use it? Yeah, and it was so cold. This is. I even sometimes feel like in nice restaurants, like British bathrooms are not warm. And I thought that was me being insane. And then a couple of times some of my American friends have come to visit and been like, oh, what's, what's going on in the toilets in this country? And I was like, oh, thank you. I'm sure I've said before that I I love the tiny glimpses into the stuff that Waystar makes. 
Mm-hmm. And, and at some point, you hear mention of a Waystar film called Frat Baby 2. Incredible. It's so good that it's Frat Baby 2. That is a continuation of a franchise. I also have a very strong opinion on who is the voice of Frat Baby. Go on. Vince Vaughn. Yeah, or like Mark Wahlberg or something. Yeah. Another, a great, um, the news crawl lines in Valter. Five reasons why drinking milk on the toilet is game changing. <laughs> when was the last time you had a glass of milk? It's, it's, it's a long time. Not since I've known you. Do you think there's something shifted in society where a glass of milk was a refreshing drink you might enjoy? And, and now something seems gross about it. Huh? It's the 80s. Uh-huh. Somebody comes in on a hot day, pours themselves a glass of milk. I don't think anything seems weird about that. I don't know. 2010? I- What's going Ooh. on here? <laughs> What's changed? Marketing? Yeah, did we get onto milk? Oh, because of that Volter. Oh, just on Volter. Even though I think it's great when a workplace unionises. And I think it's awful when these big conglomerates come in and buy places and lay off all the staff. There's something about the employees. I think, yes, serves them right. Oh, shit. Do they not just seem awful to you? I just think they seem like a bunch of pretentious, wanky, too cool for school hipsters. Yeah. What does Volter make? It's Vice, basically. Oh, I, I definitely did not know that until you just told me. Volter is supposed to be Vice? I think so, but some kind of Vice, BuzzFeed type thing. Aren't Vice and BuzzFeed like punchlines now? No, I, th- I think Vice do some good journalism. Okay. I mean, I've genuinely never read a Vice article. It's because you're Gen X and not a millennial. Now, we know the Roys love a helicopter. Mm-hmm. We know they love a private jet. Mm. I think we discover in this season that Kendall especially loves a limo bike, a taxi bike. I was going to say, I have so much time for his motorbike wear. It's very nice, very sleek. Now, I am not a motorbiking guy. I'm not a thrill seeker. But I love those taxi bikes. Mm-hmm. When we were courting, I would come and see you in New York. Mm-hmm. And because of my old job, I had a very small window of time to get to the airport. And the quickest way through the traffic was on a, on a taxi bike. And I would get off so exhilarated. Wow. The people who were the drivers were always the most charming, most interesting to talk to. You weren't talking to them while on the motorbike, were you? Yeah, you've got a little intercom in your helmet. Wow. The first time I ever got on one, because I'd never been on a motorbike in my life before. Yeah, of course. Um, He showed me where the peg was to hoist myself over. Then he got on the bike. So I put my arms around him. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. He comes on the intercom and says... (laughs) That's very nice, but if you just look to your sides, there are handles that you can hold on to. <laughs> oh, so embarrassing. Oh, I love those taxi bikes. Okay. This is, of course, the season that introduces Rhea to us. And if you rewatch season two, knowing where it goes, which is that it's, it's heavily implied that she and, and Logan get sexy, it's very fun to watch him see her for the first time. Ah. Because I think you see him go, I like it. I like what I see. Aha, that's interesting. I really like that moment when they're on the jet where Roman is describing to Kendall what his father having sex with Rhea would look like. Oh, and he's like, are you talking It's yourself? a rhino fucking a hummingbird or something. <laughs> and then he goes, are you... And then he starts describing the way they'd have to do it to make it work. Yes. And he says, are you talking yourself hard right now? <laughs> um, now, just to finish off this section, we see Roman 
and Shiv in a British corner shop. Oh, my God. That is when two worlds collide. Yeah, that's a great scene. Even though they spent part of their childhood here, everything on those shelves seems repulsive to them. Mm -hmm. Like she just winds up being like, "Ah, I'm just going to get a banana. How familiar is that experience to you? What? Because I've had to shop at those shops on a few occasions because of my blood sugar stuff. Non-diagnosed. But I need to eat all the time. And so often I'll be like late. You're like like, Carl. Exactly like Carl. But you're not not a libertine. You don't have something of the libertine about you. No, of course. (laughs) But I do have a big head, but not as big as Carl's head. But I've never seen anyone who has a head as big as Carl's. But you have this this eating thing. This eating thing. And also I like travel all the time for work. So I basically now those shops are much more familiar to me. And what I have to go for is a bag of crisps. And if it's a, if they only have crisps about, which I think like, I am not touching that garbage. Then I'll see if I can find like pieces of fruit. Just like Shiv did. Just like Shiv did. And then if neither of those things are going to work, I feel genuinely panicked thinking about it. Let me give you some British foodstuffs okay. and tell me, A, if you've heard of them, and B, if so, would you eat them? Okay. Monster Munch. Yes, I've heard of it. I would never, ever eat it. Ever. The pickled onion flavour. I, f- I truly feel like I'm gagging. Go on. Percy Pigs. <coughs> no. But they're from Marks and Spencer's. They're posh. Don't care. Jaffa Cakes. <coughs> I'm gagging. Keep going. A, a Ginster's Pasty. I don't know what that is, but I'm sure it's a no. It's a pre-wrapped pasty that you get in a motorway service station. But you like a crumpet. Yeah, I like a crumpet. But you won't have it. I we, dip we, it in we, olive oil with Himalayan <laughs> pink sea salt. Put in the olive oil. <laughs> now, something we discussed in our series one rewatch is whether there is a big difference between the first two seasons. Mm-hmm. And I think there is in one particular way. Okay. And it's the location budget. They are all over the place in season two. So I thought we could do, of all the exotic locations that I visited, a Grand Slam oh. to find the best. I've got a quarterfinal, then then the winners from that can go through to a semifinal, and then we will emerge after the final with a winner. Wonderful. Quarterfinal round one. It is the Icelandic Spa, where we see Kendall oh. at the beginning of season two. I love that place so much. Jeff's 50th birthday is coming up. And so we've been trying to think of like different little things that we could do. Well, not little, like big things that we could do. And um, the first thought that came into your mind was like, wait, what about that Icelandic resort at the beginning of season two of Succession? I, and I did some research. It's not a hotel. I, I think it might be a private house. It's also in an episode of Black Mirror. And I was gutted. And then... A few days later, I was in a shop and there was a big coffee table book of beautiful hotels around the world. And I was leafing through it and and I found a place so similar to that in Iceland. It looked just beautiful. And I thought to myself, here it is. I found the place that I want to go. (laughs) Googled it. Starts at just over £3,000 a night. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it's an Icelandic spa we see Kendler. I, I could have just watched him in there for the whole series. It would have been far less stressful. It's so your thing. Oh, I loved it. Versus the corporate shooting retreat in Hungary. <laughs> Definitely the Icelandic resort for me. You don't fancy a game of boar on the floor? Oh, my God. Eat your little sausages. I mean, we all remember Boar on the Floor. This is not one of the parts of Succession that you've forgotten. What I forgot, some people get out of it. So he makes people stand up, he asks them a question, then he goes, Boar on the Floor. 
And then other people like Jerry are allowed to sit back down. So actually the only bores are Carl, Tom, and Greg. And did you remember it starts with that guy wanting to go to the toilet? Yes. And Logan said he's not allowed and he has to go in a bucket. Totally. That would be your dream if somebody gave you well, permission to pee in a bucket rather than having is, to go to the toilet. That wouldn't actually be my dream. <laughs> but if we're trying to be very real, what is real <laughs> is that if in that situation I was told I had to go in a bucket, there would be no tension about like what I'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Of course. I would so naturally and quickly urinate into a bucket in front of people. And yeah. So I, go on. No, I would just, I would, dear Jesse. I would love to know what the source material was for Bora on the Floor. And um, human furniture, human footstool. Oh my God, of course. Which is the cycle of abuse continuing throughout throughout mm-hmm. the executive structure mm-hmm. of Waystar. Mm-hmm. What did you find harder to watch? The guy pissing in the bucket, or almost pissing in the bucket, or that you have to look away when they shoot the pigs? Yes. You found that, I think you find the shooting of the pigs more disturbing than Bora on the Floor. When I see anything from... <laughs> A guy almost being forced to piss in a bucket mm-hmm. to a way to drowning. Mm-hmm. There is part of my brain which thinks it's just people pretending, though, isn't it? It's actors. Uh-huh. If I see a pile of dead pigs, they wouldn't have really been shooting a bunch. What such so you think they, they were just very good pig actors that can lie very still? They were actually shooting pigs for the show. I don't think they shot the pigs for the show. But I think they probably had to get dead pigs from somewhere. Yeah, unless but... they were puppets. I'm hoping they were puppets. Mm. So did, did, did we get uh, your answer on this? Iceland versus Hungary. Iceland. Goes through to the semi-final. Round two. Turnhaven, which is, of course, the Pierce family home. Where is Turnhaven? At some point, Logan says, let's go to Plymouth Rock. But Mass. I don't know if it's, it seems Massachusetts, doesn't it? Yeah. Where Kendall shits the bed, of course. That was just his body having had a lot of drugs and booze, right? Yes. It was a physical shit. It wasn't an emotional shit. And I thought it was interesting because in some ways the other siblings shat the bed oh. at the meeting with the Pierces. Of course. Whereas Kendall did a good job. And even though Two Addicts is a terrible combination, Kendall's connection with Naomi both moved the Pierce steel in the direction Logan wanted it to. But I think more than that, this wasn't long after we'd seen Kendall go back up onto the roof of Waystar and realise that there are now huge glass panels which would prevent him from ever jumping off there. And there is a way in which he describes what freedom is to her. And he's talking about financial freedom that would come with the deal. But I think something about that conversation is the start of the rebuilding of Kendall we see towards the end of the series. I know this is, I, I, rewatching season two, I like Naomi so much. She's a much fuller and more sympathetic character in season two than she is in season three. Maybe I'm criticizing Succession. But, but no, I, I don't think... There so. was a no, lack no. of... A, I don't I, know. I, I think it mirrors what happened to Kendall. She also, she says that thing, you know, is she sent off of the yacht where she says about Logan, he loves the broken you. And it's yeah, like... Kendall it's, says he loves me and she says, says he, he loves, loves the, the broken, broken you. you. And it's and like, that, that's, that's so another, true. That, that, that sense of freedom and that moment where she really crystallizes the very narrow parameters within which Logan is able to accept Kendall. It's so wise. It, it is. And so succinct. Yes. All right, just to bring it back in this round. So we got, we got Turnhaven, the Pierce family home. Yes. 
versus Argestes, which is <gasps> the Davos. Chef. This is very hard. The other one felt easy because these are two of my dream situations. Yeah. I really wanted to go on that like leadership walk. <laughs> Tom seemed almost the happiest we ever see him as on that leadership walk. Can I get to nature? It's very good for people. How much money would you want to be the comedian who does the roast oh. at the end of an event like that? Oh my God. Okay, first of all, if anyone's listening... <laughs> I'm really actually quite good at corporate work. Yes. Please hire me. Number two, to do that gig, how much would I want or how much would I think realistically that man is being paid? Actually, don't tell us how much you want because then you're starting a negotiation and maybe somebody will hear this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And want to get some do corporate it work. for so little. Okay, so I think realistically that guy uh-huh. is getting paid $30,000 to do that. And I have to say, one of the things I find most difficult to watch is somebody pretending to be a stand-up on television. I find it so Uh uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. And it's why, even though I thought Marvelous Mrs. Maisel was this good show, I found that the bits where she's performing stand-up so uncomfortable I couldn't really watch it. Excruciating. Uh, And I thought that guy did a pretty good job. Yeah. I thought he was very good at playing stand-up. But he's, he's a real comedian. Yeah, that makes sense. That's what Jesse would do. Of course, when they shot that, Jesse didn't know about me. Otherwise, that would have been you up there. <sighs> Roasting the Roys. You know what one of my big, big, big questions is? Mm. For Succession generally. Mm-hmm. He's going to do a spin-off. Jesse is going to do a spin-off. He's going to better call Saul this shit. Or is- well, he hinted that there's, there's something he wants to explore in the New Yorker interview, but the head of HBO yeah. has said that he doesn't think a succession spin-off is a direction they want to go in. And that would be HBO's loss. And we were talking on the sofa the other day while we were watching it, and I feel that what this isn't is Jesse Armstrong's Hamilton. Succession isn't Hamilton. Succession. So he will, he'll do he good work, Lin but he'll Manuel, never scale the heights. Lin again. Manuel Miranda. There's no. I mean, it, it, the most incredible genius. Blah 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 blah. He will say about himself in interviews, like, "I know what's going on my gravestone, and I have to like figure out what to do with the rest of my life because I've done my biggest thing." I think this is more of a Vince Gilligan situation. He has made some of the greatest television of all time, and I think another thing that is as good is coming. So Jesse, if in that there is an opportunity for another stand-up. I think I might really freeze up in front of the cameras, but shall we try? (laughs) I think we'll possibly get into this next week. We'll be doing the season four pregame. But I I do have one thought on what a spinoff could be. Go on. Bear with me on this. Uh We're thinking of a post-Logan world. Mm -hmm. That in mind, Colin, Mm -hmm. now redundant, Mm -hmm. no longer Logan's body man, Mm -hmm. but presumably with a very healthy retirement package. Oh my God, Colin gets to indulge his beliefs that there is something else out there in space. That could be fun. Colin occupants of interplanetary craft. Colin? Like Colin occupants of interplanetary craft by the Carpenters. I don't know. That's That's a very famous song. Sorry. Anyway, I'd like to get into what spinoffs could be ahead of Series 4. And if you have any ideas, then the email address is... Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. Turnhaven versus Argestes, then. Oh, this is hard, but I go Argestes. Next round. Okay. Lady Caroline's Country Pile versus the Summer Palace. 
This is as easy as the other one was hard. The Summer Palace done. I hate Caroline's home. It's everything I hate about Britain. There are all these things I like about it, but it looks cold. It looks gross when she takes out those dead birds. I wouldn't eat any food in her house. I would get an allergy attack walking in. I hate everything about it. And I feel the house alone is an additional way she abuses her children. So you wouldn't be up for spending every Christmas there as part of a reopened divorce When settlement. she was like, Christmas, I was like, don't do it. I don't connect. To me as a rich person living in Britain, the thing for me, people are different. I would just get an incredible house in London that was amazing. And then like a great pied-à-terre. In Glasgow. The, the country pile doesn't hold bleh. much appeal. This country does cities so well. I can love Leicester. I have found things to love about Leicester. Portsmouth. I don't love Portsmouth. No offense. But like, I respect it. Big ships. But the fucking cunt. Ugh. Boring. Ew. Now, maybe if I was a driver, I went on a nice drive. Some kind of summery, sunshiny version of the countryside, but it's mostly not that way. It's mostly fucking Caroline's house. You don't like a ditch, a hedgerow? Nope. Nope. I don't a like... A country pub? Ew. <laughs> because do you know where I can get better food? <laughs> fucking anywhere. <laughs> I hate it. I never feel the need to leave. Different strokes, different folks. Uh, and, and I just want to be clear here in this particular round of the competition, the the, the Roy Summer Palace in the Hamptons, <gasps> the, the smell is gone. The smell of that course. Logan describes as being like the cheesemonger died and left his dick in the brie. Gross. I will say, though, I, I love that part of the world, love those Hamptons, but that property is just too grand and palatial. I know, but anything other than Caroline's house. <laughs> We would deal with like a palatial house, but then just get to be in the Hamptons, which we it, really it, like. it would, would be a fine problem to have, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh. And then the last of the exotic location quarterfinals, mm-hmm. the yacht, Solange, probably easily a hundred million pound yacht. Solange, the that's, yacht Solange. That's that's the name of the yacht. The yacht is called Solange. Yes, but I think that's what it's really called in real life. Interesting. Yeah. I will say about that yacht, and it's interesting because at the end of our Series 3 podcasts, Mm -hmm. we were lucky enough to talk to Jesse Armstrong, and he was quite scathing about yacht life. And and he said, that's not where life is. Life is outside the cafe in the piazza. And and I tend to agree with him, but anything Mm. above deck... On the on the yacht just looks so great. So good. When, when they're sitting having a meal or they're swimming off the back of it or going down that slide, which I find those slides on those super yachts funny that you can have all the money in the world and yet still what you want to do is go, Wee! like you're in a playground. That's so funny. But, um, but then as soon as you see the interior, it's disgusting. Yeah, like Logan's bedroom is so gross. And whatever the sitting room is. Yeah, but you can handle it. Yeah. I had the same response. I remember when when Jesse said that to us and thinking, he's so wise, he's so wise, he's so wise. And then I was thinking about that thing he said when we were watching. I was like, I don't know, Jesse, there's a lot of good life on this yacht. So it's that yacht. Uh Uh-huh. Versus the final exotic location, Dundee. Oh. I think that V&A museum looks beautiful in Dundee. Yeah, it really does. Um, Dundee or the yacht. Mm. I want to be cool, cool, baby, cool. And I want to say Dundee. But my truth is I would pick the yacht. 
How about you? I've definitely done Dundee because I'm cool. Ew. Unreal. That's why re- that's, oh, that's really life think, is in Dundee. Oh, I, re- so, oh, I really want to. Oh, that museum. I just want to see that the museum. That architecture looks spectacular. Oh, the architecture looks so great. I'm too real for the yacht. Do you think that if Logan and Ewan just stayed on the subject of bird watching, everything would be okay between them? I don't know when they talk about so bird watching. When they go to Dundee, they share a fond anecdote. Uh huh. Logan says that he saw such and such a bird in the bandstand earlier and then they share a moment. Uh-huh. And it's a bit of backstory uh, mm-hmm. about Logan always exaggerating about what birds he spotted and their grandfather not believing Oy. him. But there ouch, is there's ouch. more tenderness in that than other moments mm-hmm. between them. All right, to rattle through these very quickly then, it's Iceland versus Argestes. Oh, <laughs> Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Argestes, I guess. And it's the Summer Palace versus the yacht. Fuck. The Summer Palace. Because I would rather be on in the Hamptons. So then in the final, we've got Argestes versus the Summer Palace. Argestes. Congratulations. I think I said to you, I want to go there with you. I, re- I really was spoken to by the way they shot it. And I think it's upstate New York. Maybe that's what we should do on our next family halls. Let us know how you feel about Argestes being crowned winner of the Season 2 Exotic Location Grand Slam. I don't think this is going to go over well with people. What do you think the popular vote would be? This is what I think other people would choose. Between everything, Mm -hmm. the Icelandic resort or the yacht, what do you think other people would choose? Dundee. Shut up. And and is there anywhere we've missed? Have you been to any succession locations? Oh, that's good. Maybe when it's all over, we could start a boutique travel agency. I don't know. Like as someone who at a different point in my life was quite obsessed by sex in the city, I could never bring myself to be like, I'm going to walk down the street where Carrie's apartment is. (laughs) You know, like these ladies doing their bus tours. No. Okay. Not for me. The email address. Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Alright, just as a way of rattling through some of the other stuff from our Series 2 rewatch, I'm going to ask you the question, 
Whose side are you on? <gasps> Whose side are you on, boy? What's that Whose from? Side are you it's on? it's like an Whose old union song, isn't it? How do I know that? Whose side well, are you? In an episode of Succession that we watched last week. Oh, okay, that's why. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whose side are you on, boy? Whose side? Mm-hmm. I just have to finish it. Or I'll keep it. Whose side are you on, boy? Whose side are you on? I need to get it out. This this first one might be too big, but I'm going to go Shiv or Logan. Oh. Because basically okay. Shiv has promised something, and my opinion is Shiv fucks herself. Yeah, I'm not comfortable saying this, but again, with Succession as our North Star, I will give truth over comfort. I think I'm on Logan's side. And this thing that I really have noticed in a rewatch is I I feel less sympathy toward Shiv than I do toward Logan, Kendall, or Roman. Things can happen and I can be like, you poor, precious, broken person about all of those men. You know there's another sibling, don't you? Oh, Connor. Yeah, or tender towards Connor. Sorry, Connor, I know that's the bad thing to do to you. But with Shiv, I I just, whatever bad happens to her, I feel that she deserves deserves it and is am i intended to or is that my own internalized misogyny i think the pain of the abuse is extremely visible on the other three with shiv we we know it's there but perhaps because she's a woman there there is a toughness or a steeliness Uh uh-huh that it's maybe hard for you to connect with sympathy for i don't know i think there's a way she is shitty to tom She's such a narcissist. He is not allowed anything. It is, it can only ever be about her. He will try and raise a concern. It's like everything has to be about Shiv. And why do I find that more unlikable than Roman being like, well, dead girls don't get wet? Is it because dead girls don't get wet is so fucked that you just wind up feeling sorry for the person? Whereas she um, just looks like a rich girl narcissist kind of person. And I also think there's a way, whether it's that Tabitha or Grace or Marsha or Rava, we see these women who are with these guys who in different ways go like, fuck you. And Shiv just has this guy who just takes her shit. And people who are with people who take their shit are really gross to me. But it's about a way in which we see her wield power. Yes. But we also see Logan wield a lot but of power. Logan earned way. his power and she was handed hers. Uh-huh. We, whose side are you on, boy? <laughs> whose side are you on? Anyway, I don't feel good about my feelings towards Shiv. And if any um, academics want to be in touch with me and explain to me. And it is only academics you want to hear from. I'm trying to think. I want somebody to say to me. If somebody is in academia but not tenured, are you interested in their opinion? I want to hear from a tenured professor. No, I don't. Is it a particular type of university? What what do you call those ones which are like Princeton and. Oh, the Ivy League. Yes. I would like to hear from just a wonderful, amazing 23 year old graduate student. And like what you do is think about feminist theory and you're like, Sarah, right, this, this is your own internalized misogyny and Alex, and you're not a bad person and we do it, but here's why that is. When I delve into succession fandom, I do see a lot who really idolise Shiv as a girl boss. I think it's stupid to idolise her as a girl boss and I think it's insulting to women. Here's where Shiv lost me. 
it wasn't at the Pierce's. I was already gone by then. Yeah, I think I was as well. It was how disgusted she seems to be at the suggestion she should put in three years' worth of work Mm -hmm. before having that top role handed Mm -hmm. to her. The idea that she should do a management training programme. Fuck you, you deserve nothing. Yeah. You know, I really love the character and I hate her. I don't hate her. That's never right. I can't find sympathy for her, but I love her. Next, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on, boy? Whose side are you? Might be a slight false equivalence here. Okay. Jerry or Tabitha? Ugh, I'm on both sides. I, I don't know. I don't have a strong instinct. Well, we, we all love the Roman-Jerry dynamic. Yeah, but Jer- I really like Jerry. And what, what ultimately was Tabitha getting out of that relationship? I want to know. Here's a big question I have. Who is Tabitha? She's curious. Do you know, socialite. But she's really smart. I think we are supposed to think of her as very yes, she, smart. she does seem smart, but she knows that Naomi Pierce. She, sure, sure, sure. She's on the scene. This is what's interesting to me about her. Oh. We all ultimately are more interested in the Roman-Jerry relationship. Yes, yes, of course. So, you know, Jesse Armstrong has said that it was in the early stages of writing series two that he started to see how it would end. Yes. The Jerry-Roman thing starts really early in series two. And Jerry, what we've learned about her is she is perhaps the most political animal Mm-hmm. in that show mm-hmm. she is highly adept at reading the prevailing winds mm-hmm. and early on in season two there's not just the spark between them but there is the anointing of roman she has identified him as the horse to back and i wondered if there's any significance in that i don't think so it doesn't feel real enough that thing between them just needs to play out in the most realistic way possible. I think they're taking a real backseat this season. That's my prediction. Sorry, everyone. Whose side are you on? <laughs> the Pierces or the Roys? The Roys. The Pierces are awful. Yeah, you know. They're so awful because it's the veneer of kindness and decency and liberal values, but they're not really that different. And you see it in the way they treat the servants. There's that thing where Nan Pierce, the matriarch, says to the maid, hey, have a drink with us, which is so performed and all about how she wants to be perceived and the way she brings the roast out that has been slaved over by these invisible people in the kitchen. I mean, it made me hate her. But, um, God, that last scene in the Turnhaven episode, when they go into that negoche, and then he leaves, and he's so tense in the fucking whirly bird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the ride back to Manhattan, and then he gets that call, and he's like, I Fucking when? Oh my god, it's amazing. Is that more satisfying than Connor? I think his differences with Maxim Pierce over a bottle of port and offering him the State Department. Oh my god. Who oh my is god. that guy? He's from Marklin Baker from Perfect Strangers. Cousin Mark? No, cousin Larry. Balky. Cousin no. Cousin Balky was Bronson Pinchot. He was cousin Lottie. Was that show just about what if somebody from an Eastern European country was related to an American? <laughs> and they spent time together. Was that the premise? Yeah, basically. But then they had two hot blonde girlfriends. Oh, God, I love that show. Oh, I'm going to be watching the opening credits when we're done recording. How hellish 
do you find the idea of going to stay with a big family like the Pierces? I, I just I don't like to stay in other people's houses. Me either. I just don't want to be in the same space as other people in that way. One of the worst things for me is is when they all have to have breakfast together the next oh, morning. Terrible. One of the worst moments in life is, and it hasn't happened to me for a long time, if you ever go to a wedding where you have to stay over in a hotel and then you have to walk into the breakfast room the next morning and say hello to people. Awful. Why is saying hello to people such an effort? I hate it. It's the worst. But I think that is somewhat unique to us. I just, I fucking, you know what? I don't mind it at all if I'm taking Jean to school and I see all the friendly, regular neighborhood faces. Hello, good morning. How are you? I enjoy passing friendly faces in my neighborhood and it makes me feel a nice little sense of community. But what I cannot handle is true small talk. And that is what that morning breakfast shit asks of you. Here's what I think it is. Go on. It's walking into an environment where other people are already in situ. And there being some sense of having to go, I'm here. It's just everything. I hate it. (laughs) Whose side are you on? Mm -hmm. Kendall or the shopkeeper that he steals batteries from? Oh, God, Ken. What's he doing with that? What is that? Control. He's lost control. of. Yeah, his dad has got him. He's set up a seat for him at the end of his desk. He's lost all agency and control, and he feels a sense of being alive if he steals some batteries. I think control is a very good answer. Um, I am on Kendall's side because I think he would have gotten more out of the thieving. That would have been just this little release from his horrendous pain and really wouldn't have, it wouldn't have cost the shopkeeper too much. Okay, so the law-breaking, entitled son of a billionaire rather than the humble, small business owner, possibly employee, struggling to make ends meet. Interesting. Um, whose side are you on? <laughs> Chloe's or Kendall's? Chloe being the actor from Willow's play that he flies to Dundee. And who witnesses him performing L to the OG. Oh, always such a triumph. Do you know, it doesn't go down badly in the room. Tabitha's performance in, in as a viewer of L to the OG <laughs> is so good. Kendall in a tuxedo looks more boyish. He, he looks like a little ventriloquist mm-hmm. dummy. There's yeah, some that's right. way in which it makes his shoulders look narrow. Yeah, that's that's very true. And Shiv, oh my God, Shiv when she shows, you know. I'm not sexually attracted to Shiv, and so many women are. But I, I, I understand. She looks so amazing in that dress. Her back just looked incredible. Um, I am on Chloe's side. And it's that she was saying the word awesome around his dad because of his weird daddy issues. Yeah. Is there any example that springs to mind of somebody you've been very attracted to one bit of their behaviour just bursting the bubble pretty much instantly. Yeah, a couple of things. One was a guy in a leather jacket. Hang on. So you'd been very attracted to him and then he put on his leather jacket? I did find him very attractive and I was asking the universe to help me find him less attractive. <laughs> and then the universe put him in a leather jacket. <laughs> and I was like, this is helpful, actually. Like, I did still find him attractive, but I was like, this is not hot and what was then, the leather jacket like not good it was like a biker jacket no it was like a leather trench coat like from the matrix no but that's so bad but imagine that jacket but uh-huh. like 
essentially to just below your waist. Okay. Ew. Then this guy who I was already not that attracted to, but I was bored, wore a pork pie hat. And I was like, oh, oh. it really made my skin crawl. Whose side are you on? Mm. Ewan or Greg? Call me Gregory. Specifically on the subject of the $250 million inheritance. Ewan. Because Ewan is this uh, terrible, bitter, energy-sucking ghost at the feast. But he is going to do more good with that money than, than Greg will. Yeah. As he acquires his taste for the finer things. Yeah. Like and like champagne. His, yeah, the rosé champagne isn't his favourite. I mean, maybe he'd spend it on a pedicure. Oh, my God. That was so funny. When he just calls out, it's a benign fungus. Whose side are you on? Mm. Marsha or Raya? Marsha. I like Marsha. Not all the time, but basically I like Marsha and I don't like Raya. But I really enjoy seeing Logan being charming. It's fabulous. (laughs) I I, I cannot turn on charm. I wish I could. And the way that he can get... The way that he can get twinkly... When he's at the Pierce's and he starts talking about, I'm just a newsman and... There's some folksy Nan Pierce-ish phrase that he uses. He says, uh, now, I ain't no master of the speechifying. He knows that to appeal to their vanity, the idea of him as this rough guy, but with a passion for the news yeah, yeah. Is, is the way to do it. Oh, God, incredible. But the, the fact that he can have that charisma, it's, it's fun to see, and it's fun to see him flirting with Raya a little bit. Here's something interesting about Logan. Yeah. In a sense, the women he chooses reflect well on him. These are strong-minded. They're not sycophants. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Carrie is... Well, that's this is what I don't understand, the Carrie thing. Keeping... I wonder if that will reveal itself more as we get into Series 4. Yes, and it's also, you know, you realise that he's such a liner-upper. Yes. There's real intimacy with Marsha, but we've already had Rhea enter, and we know something's happening there. And then as that starts to fall apart, Carrie makes her first appearance. You know, it's this real... Ladies are getting lined up like dominoes and and also in this series i think you really get an insight into how logan justifies everything to himself and remains the hero oh of the story marcia says it to him that he basically uses the fact that she kind of but not quite said that maybe he should think about selling the company and which, then he like misheard it and then sort of blew everything yeah up. and and you get all this oh, i'm just the good catholic boy or these people are beasts, they're wolves mm-hmm. circling. I just want to give good, decent people a bit of a laugh and some news that doesn't talk down to them. The way in which he can perceive himself as a hero and and a victim of a nasty world, and, of a less know, moral world. When there's like when he tries to address the hitting Roman. That's and not he who hits I am. Him, yeah. He hits him so hard his tooth falls out. Mm. And he, he says, I don't really do that kind of thing. Yeah. Whose side are you on? Mm. The critics or Willa? The critics. (laughs) Do you think it's real? Like, can a millionaire just put on a West End show, uh, a Broadway show? Yeah, because you can. A theatre is for hire. A theatre is for hire. Yeah. Wow. Do you feel that to be a billionaire, you have to be able to read in the car? No, because this is this thing that we got into the last time. You think a billionaire is a billionaire because of some kind of effort or discipline or work that Logan they're putting is. in. Logan is. Steve Jobs is. Those guys, the one who starts it, 
I think you have to be able to read in a car. But to be, a, I think to be a billionaire specifically, you have extracted more wealth out of something. That billion that is sitting in your pocket, there's not a way of justifiably claiming that was a billion dollars worth of your own effort or ingenuity. Right. Well, but you still what I'm saying. Yes. These people are always in cars and they're always working. So I don't think it's going to be for me, actually. I don't, th- I don't think Connor needs to re- read in a car, though. I know. The moment where Willa throws the iPad. You love it. so You left so hard. It's the sound she makes. I, th- I think it's a great bit of comedy. Mm. Alan Ruck is, I think, like 31 or maybe it's more, maybe like 32 years older than Justine Loop or Lupe. Who plays Willa. Who plays Willa. So there's an over 30 year age gap between those two actors. That's unbelievable to me because I'd, I'd assume that he wasn't that much older than I am. I'm knocking on 50 as, as previously discussed. And I, I I was a teenager when Ferris Bueller came out. That really would make much more sense as his daughter. Mm. Whoever does the casting on this show. Oh my God. Whose side are you on? Mm. Tom's or the world in which he finds himself? I don't get it. Do you not think that Everything about that world is coming for Tom. The Cruises scandal, mm. Logan's lack of regard for him, the terrible power imbalance in his relationship mm. with Shiv, the way in which he is viewed as a punchline in a bad suit. I'm on the side of the world that's coming for him. You know, don't complain. You should have seen this shit coming. Enjoy it and shut up. Do you think he knows when Greg is trying to entrap him? When they're burning the documents and and Greg has been testing out the audio and the voice memos? No, I think he doesn't. And when he comes back, like, the remember, the lighter doesn't work. And so he has to go up. And while he does, Greg stuffs those things in his trousers. And he's so clearly up to something when Tom returns. But no, I don't think he has any idea. And, you know, Tom is ultimately a much more vulnerable person than Greg. Tom needs Greg more than Greg needs Tom. Because that's what Tom chooses in his relationships. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even that one mm-hmm. where he thinks he has all the power. Mm-hmm, exactly. We're running out of time here. I know we talked about this when we did series three, but I can't remember what your reasoning is. You strongly feel that Kendall's mind was made up before he got on the plane. To fuck his dad? Yeah. Well, this is the question I had to you is when do you think he decides I think by the time he's kissed his dad on the cheek on the yacht, he's made a decision. It's a Judas kiss. But he doesn't know about those documents at that stage. Something happens that we don't see between Greg having to chaperone Kendall on the Mm -hmm. private jet Mm -hmm. and, and make sure that he doesn't take his own life and Kendall giving the press conference. Mm -hmm. And that, that is left unknown. I don't know. But, you know, what we know about Greg is that he's, like, always trying to play both sides. I wonder if it was sort of more accidental than that. But but he has offered up information. Kendall doesn't know he's got those documents. Greg would have had to introduce that in the way that we've seen him introduce stuff for Leverage with Tom and Logan. Was it the fear of being Greg Sprinkles and the idea that he might get some kind of immunity? Yeah, because he's dealing with that fear about losing his quarter of a billion, remember? Yes. And when we started series three, you and I both strongly felt that Logan had handed Kendall the knife. And as the series played out, I I, I became less sure of that. But I I wonder if on on some level, perhaps some unconscious level, that's, that's what happened. I think so. There 
is something he enjoys in that moment. That smile. Obviously, it's supposed to be an ambiguous facial expression. Do you think I do a good ambiguous facial expression? No. I think there's no one who'd be worse at that. Why are you always asking me then, what's up with you? What are you thinking? Are you okay? That's because some of your facial stuff is so weird. But then that's ambiguous. You look genuinely disturbed. And I'm like, I think I'm supposed to ask him what he's doing because he looks crazed right not, now. Not enigmatic then. No. Unhappy and bad. Now we're desperate to know what you think about all of this, if, if you're doing a rewatch. And I will say, we have had a fantastic amount of email since we released the Series 1 rewatch. It's great to know that peop- people are ready want. for this. They're, they're, they're there. It's sort of all we want is to hear from you. What we're going to do is next week is going to be on the Friday. Succession comes out in the States on the Sunday here in the UK on the Monday. Mm-hmm. So it's it's Succession Eve. Yes. And we're going to go through a lot of that email. It's going to be like a Friday sprinkles. We're going to remind ourselves where we're at as we go into season four, but also hear a lot of your theories and um, talk through them. So if you've sent us an email, we'll be getting into that inbox next week. But I thought a good way to end this series two rewatch would be a communication we've had from our mole, our onset mole. We have an onset mole, and the name we use for him is Slime Puppy. Slime Puppy writes, One of my fondest memories of season two was director Mark Mylod saying to us on our last day of shooting in New York, Thank you for working so hard and with such high spirits on a season which I think has a beautiful and complex soul. I can't wait to share it with you and the viewers. And then Holly Hunter gave a speech thanking everybody and marveling how the show was actually shot on film. Lovely to know that. she uh, She's one for making a speech too. Yes, I wonder. Was it amazing that Holly gave a speech or was it like, know your place? No. I'm sure. Let me tell you something also. I think nine times out of ten, Jesse casts a good egg. I think if you see someone on this show, nine times out of ten, they're there because they're great to work with. See, I'd, I'd like to believe it, but I also think the excellence of the casting and some of the personalities you sometimes find in actors and performers, the chances of those two things being true feel a bit less likely to me but maybe maybe that is the magic of this show yeah it's just a feeling that i have do you want to wrap it up yeah everybody thank you so much for listening to us by the time we talk to you again it's going to be succession eve basically not actually but basically succession eve get into all of your correspondences i hope you have a really nice week i hope something nice happens to you and if it doesn't then I hope your hair behaves <laughs> better than mine in whatever climate you're currently enduring. Have a wonderful week. And fuck off. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.